Welcome, Mistorians. Host Austin Heave-She and host Brenda She-Her have been waiting for you. Come along for Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries. Welcome to episode 63 of Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries. I'm host Austin, and Brenda's out this time. Joke's on you. You thought I'd be Brenda with a guest. It's actually me with two guests. So suck on that. Uh, if you hear something weird, my neighbor's power washing his semi-truck. My neighbor has a semi-truck. That's a fun fact for you. Huh. Anyway, <laughs> yes, introduce yourselves and your pronouns and where you're from. Woo. Not like physically. Don't tell people where you live. Please. Yeah, my address is uh, <laughs> my social security number. Uh, I am Diana or Super Dylan everywhere on the internet. I use any pronouns and I am one half of the Femsplained podcast. Hello, I am Avalon. I'm the other half of the Femsplained podcast and I use she, they pronouns. Nice, nice. You love to see it. Not a single not streak a, could be not found. A, not a single binary inside. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm super stoked to be doing this with y'all. Um, as you both know how much I love your show, I think I tweeted about your show like three times before this recording. So uh, Yeah, last night you were very kind to us. Uh, it was very sweet. Oh, I didn't yeah. see it yet. Yeah, we... Uh, oh, it'll be a special surprise oh, for you. Thanks. Yeah, it was really nice. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I'm super. I haven't listened to that episode yet, but I'm very excited. If you don't listen to Fem's Plane, you should go listen to Fem's Plane. Maybe not right now. After. I would like no, if you listen to here. this. Yeah, but <laughs> stay here. Subscribe to this podcast. <laughs> give it five stars, and then move on. Write and a blurb about five stars. how yeah. much you want to be friends with the hosts in real life. Yeah, but realize you're not our real friends. Remember, exactly. Social relationships aren't uh, us three. We, hey, listener, we love you. Also, there's a statistical p- probability we are not your real friend. So just yeah. like, remember that. Austin, can we you do come you, on our show and say that, please? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can we record you we... saying that at the top of our show? Yeah. I think we say it every week. I'm like, we love you all. But remember, there's a very high chance of not your actual friend. It doesn't mean I don't appreciate your support and wouldn't like say thanks if you see me at a con. Like, I love your show. I'm like, oh, thanks. Do yeah. you follow me on Twitter? Let's, I'll, I'll follow, I'll, maybe I'll follow you back. Yeah. Don't and then maybe we'll show up friends. to my house, which is located at. So. <laughs> <laughs> You'll know you're at my house when you see the swamp and the circle of ravens above. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> There's an archer in the high tower. You'll never make it past the drawbridge. <laughs> yeah. Only those with a true heart can make it past my doorway. <laughs> You must first dance with David Bowie in a masquerade ball. <gasps> oh, <laughs> oh, we found the topic. Yeah, we found the topic. We're, um, so we're talking. We're this is another mini sode, everybody, uh, and we are talking about the movie Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that starred David Bowie and an actress whose name I'm, I don't remember, but Jennifer to be Connelly. fair, Jennifer Connelly. Sure, I legally don't remember the names of like white. I like that bit a lot. That's one of my favorite things <laughs> that you say on your podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I, I physically refuse to store more names in my head. The only reason I know David Bowie's name is because one of my best friends loves David Bowie. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think David Bowie's name is worth knowing. It's That's yeah, fine. like it's if fine. you didn't prioritize that space in your head, like it would make me form a judgmental opinion of. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, Aval- hey, hey. <laughs> Avalon's, Avalon's job on Femsplained is to be the the judgment. So it, it's, it's <laughs> okay. So Avalon's judge, you and you are executioner. Executioner. Oh, <laughs> no, really. I, I just I don't look at anything with a critical eye, and everything is good with no criticisms. That's not you true. Say, That's not you true. You say that, yeah. but I, I, I think of several D&D TikToks immediately. That's very true. That's very true. <laughs> also, I, we recently talked about Lord of the Rings and Diana was a little bit... I'll I say was dismissive. Little, hey, I was hey, a little dismissive of hey, Lord of the Rings. I, hey, hey, I don't like Lord of the Rings. Oh, That's my fine. <laughs> but if I'm out here trying to talk about <laughs> myself, insert fantasies about frodo like be there for that be there for just be me. there with me for that yeah i mean i can listen to your ocs sure but yeah, I, don't, I don't get the hype about i don't get the hype about lord Avalon's of the rings hobbit oc um it's just that i feel like a fan fiction writer would never write so much walking like and i feel like <laughs> I feel I feel like that would be more entertaining. I so I've never tried to read the books. I barely made it through the movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a good long. like there's a good like fifty percent of the movies that I'm pretty sure I don't know exist mm-hmm. that I left my body for while they were. I mean, I I watched I watched like the Marvel movies and they're like stupid long now, but yeah, they have gotten longer. Um, I don't know what it is about Lord of the Rings. I think it's all the white people. I'm just bored. Valid. It's just, it's just very boring to watch. There's so many. And when we were talking about it, we also realized that there are almost no women, too. Like, there, yes. there's everybody's white and almost everybody is a man. And the, yeah. the three women that do exist seem awfully similar. <laughs> like they, they seem like it's just it's a very like looking at it 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 just it starts to blur a little. And I think what's weird. So I, I hey, if people are like, I thought it was labyrinth. It is. You we'll get there. If you're new here, I'm sorry. This is how this show works. Yeah. Um, the thing that's weird to me about it is like it has a huge fan base, and I know they're making a show. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um. But like I this huge fan base, it's is very diverse. At least I don't I don't know anyone straight who likes Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's very weird that there's still like I feel like that fan base, like if they change things, like people would get that's a dice. Mm. <laughs> would, would get upset. <laughs> You're just um, rolling to see what the Lord of the Rings fan base would react. Yeah. I we- I just can't tell because it they're so you know, like yeah, I I don't know what the word is, but I know what what your the vibe your your hands are like. Lord of the Rings uh, fans are very intense and they scare me. Yes, I feel like I can't like 
like I'll be like, oh yeah, I like I do like the idea of like a bunch of magical artifacts. Like that's a cool idea. Then like uh, there's like a ring and like that's that's neat. And then they're like, oh, you mean you've read the thesis paper from? Yes. Yeah. Fucking Stephen that Colbert breaking down the art, Fucking breaking Stephen down like Colbert. an. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I I have it. And they're like, oh, have a good day. And I'm like, all right. The, there are like so many stages I've gone through in like the quest of finding out that Stephen Colbert is a nerd because it's like. You find out first, you're like, oh, Stephen Colbert likes D&D and Lord of the Rings. So that's mm-hmm. neat. Mm-hmm. And then and then the more you hear him talk about it, he does like he like knows and he's like he's, a person. He's one of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Like he like knows like the true lore that Wizards of the Coast has written. <laughs> and I'm he's like, oh, like, dear. <laughs> he um. He's like a he's like a Lord of the Rings scholar. He, yeah, he's like taught like a PhD course on it. Also, yeah. there's a PhD course on it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I digress because I. <laughs> so I don't have a way back. We're talking about labyrinth. We are. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're similar in a lot of ways. Uh, there's both a lot have of walking. David Bowie. There's a lot of walking. Both have walking. Yeah. Both yeah. have got. There's not goblins in Lord of the Rings. It's orcs. Well, yeah. People, well, there's also goblins. Humanoid things of shorter stature. There's the power of friendship. There's a power there's of a friendship. Power. Yeah, for sure. Is there they're singing? Yes. Yes. Misty Mountain, whatever it is. Something or other. <laughs> they sing. They sing. I heard of it. <laughs> I love I, I love Misty know. from Pokemon. Isn't that a song that the that the dwarves sing? They I sing mean, that. Yeah, I don't care. Care. Oh, <laughs> like, I'm just saying they sing a song. Don't try to give me that information because I don't want it. <laughs> um, I just <laughs> know a friend whose like personality is that he identifies as uh, as a fantasy dwarf, um, and he has memorized the dwarf songs from Lord of the Rings, and we'll, I mean, we'll sing I'm, them. Sure. I'm glad I'm. Yeah. Um, Labyrinth is a musical fantasy film that was directed by Jim Henson <laughs> with George Lucas as an executive producer. And I know when I say that, you think, if you've never heard of Labyrinth or seen it, I know in your head you're thinking, like, this must be wicked. And, and you're right. <laughs> you'd be right. <laughs> and you'd be, yes, as, as my lovely guest says, you'd be correct. It's a very... Wicked movie. It is exactly what you, listener, are thinking. Exactly that. Yes. Yeah. Um, in and that's if you're thinking that David Bowie plays a goblin king named Jareth, who is antagonizing Jennifer Conley, whose character's yeah. name is Sarah. Yeah. Is that the right word? Um, I think like, negging. Or is she antagonizing herself? Negging, luring, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. uh, you know, entrapping. Yeah. Um gaslighting uh yes. yeah yes. He's, he's <laughs> doing a lot gaslight, of <laughs> gaslight girl boss gatekeeping goblin yeah, king yeah goblin king <laughs> wait can you say that again gaslight gaslight gatekeep. girl boss gatekeeping <laughs> gaslight gatekeep goblin king and yeah. and sarah would be uh girl boss what whatever it is i forget Oh um, goodness! Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a musical. It's puppets. 
yeah. slash animatronics slash just people lots of great in practical suits. effects. Good practical oh, yeah. effects. Which I have a lot of respect Jim, for. Yeah, you got, you got Jim Henson, and he's oh yeah, yeah. He, the master. He, yeah, yeah, hates computers. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how Jim Henson felt about computers. The technology wasn't super great at the time, but I will say I imagine that that movie had the first like realistic animatronic animal, or I'm sorry, realistic oh. CGI animal in film at the oh, time, which was that which... owl in the beginning during the very oh. long intro credits. What and are that we, owl looks what like are we saying is realistic? <laughs> I would like to call into question Avalon's judgment of this owl that looks insane. It looks like. <laughs> I mean, okay, you like had, the first it's, attempt. It's, I'm not saying it was a successful attempt. Okay, okay, okay. It's 1986, and that yeah. scene was probably made in like 1980. I think they had a script since '84. Is yeah. what I remember reading. Yeah. So, like, you got it. They like I, it's impressive for it being one of the first. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. What I you know it's an owl. Yeah, you know <laughs> you it's an owl it's for an sure. Owl. <laughs> what I don't understand is that then it. It, if I'm not mistaken, it then cuts to an actual owl. Yeah, which is so somewhere they great. had footage of an owl, <laughs> but like they needed to CGI the flying. You of so the you owl. think they should have green screened an owl flying for three and a half minutes <laughs> instead yes. of CGIing it? <laughs> I think what happened is the owl wasn't flying the way David Bowie wanted it to. So yes, yes, yes. Which so so listeners, if you don't know this fact, it's my favorite fact about the labyrinth and in the beginning so so basic premise is that the goblin king jareth david bowie uh wants to marry this teenage girl don't make it like um, that that's what it is i'm not making it I like know, that take but it like, up with jim if you get into any fantasy guy teen girl there's like so much precedence for that that, this is not uniquely weird. I know. Evelyn, don't tell people that. I want them to watch my movie. <laughs> so he wants to, he's in love with, with Sarah Connolly. That's what we'll say. Sarah Connolly. Um, Sarah Connolly, the actress, and not this character. <laughs> uh, and so he wants to bring her to, to, you know, his goblin kingdom. Right. And Sarah is a petulant child mm-hmm. who hates her infant stepbrother, because he's a malicious toy thief. Um, And so she, in a moment of frustration, wishes that he would be taken away by goblins, and then Jareth, the actual Goblin King, shows up (laughs) and is like, wish granted. Oh, you didn't mean it really? Well, then you're going to have to come here to my palace, and you're going to have to deal with all my weird, annoying goblins, and then you're going to stay with me forever. Why is he there? You know what? It's a great question. Do you have thoughts on that, Avalon? Because I don't know. Why is he that. in the labyrinth? Yeah. No. Why is no? What? No. Why is he like outside her room? Like, is he just following her? Because she, she was... summoned him. Also, oh, okay. Yeah. So he's definitely she... already into her because he is the owl that is spying on yeah. her in the park in the beginning. Oh, yeah. He's the so, owl. Okay. I mean, so I think because he, just... he turns into a white owl several several times. Okay. So has he just been following her because he like uh, so something that's uh, okay. I think he knows that she is exactly what he wants in a goblin queen. And if you think about it, when you think about like her reactability, yeah. <laughs> her emotional she, instability, she, she would make she would a be great an excellent goblin queen. goblin queen. Yeah, she's so horribly unstable. Yeah, the movie starts and she's reading a book called Labyrinth. Yeah, yeah, and she's a- practicing about- her lines for later. 
about mm-hmm. this about who in the in the fiction of this world this real actual goblin king who the book is about mm-hmm. yeah did he plant the book you know we never get that as a the this movie sure question. does not tell us that, but I think Do you that think he plants a book about himself in the real world to find a goblin queen? Kind of like Never Ending Story, like it was there uh, on purpose for yeah. her to find. I like that. I like that idea. So I have always assumed that she is reading from that book because it was something that her mom performed because we find out mm-hmm. that her oh, right, mom, right. who's presumably, right. I think, deceased, is was an actress. And I think mm-hmm. she wants to be like that. But now I'm wondering, maybe the mom disappeared. Maybe the mom was the old goblin queen. Into the labyrinth. Mm -hmm. Is the mom the the trash queen? Yeah. I want to clarify something. Avalon said, we find out. By we find out that Sarah's mom was an actress and and presumably deceased. We find this out, quote unquote, in a quick camera pan across Sarah's room for about one second we see a collage of pictures and if you screenshot that and (laughs) zoom in on it you can see (laughs) that it's a collage of her mom and has references to her acting career. Well it's like her mom's playbills there's there's cutouts of newspaper articles about her as an actress yeah but it's not like it's never something that is revealed to us as an audience by the film yeah the film it's weird because it doesn't because it's very much about like it starts and it's about like her being in the lab and trying to get her brother back Mm -hmm. that's like the the runtime is only 100 minutes they don't have time for like flashback yeah yeah yeah. they they don't like we gotta we got place to fucking be how much money it cost david bowie to be on set a day (laughs) yeah um (laughs) and so it's interesting because each like in her bedroom is pretty much like here's every single piece of exposition we wanted to have instead as like a background set piece yeah. that in 1986 you have no way of really pausing to find. True. Yeah, yeah. But it's true. Like all of the um, goblins that she meets, like all of the influences towards these characters that she meets later on in the actual labyrinth are sort of foreshadowed or symbolized in the things she has in her room yeah right it's yeah like little easter eggs that's the best yeah it is good <laughs> it, it's it's good um <laughs> i um i i like in this so movie, much judgment no <laughs> zero judgment i love it coming from austin's eyes <laughs> i was just i was looking at um uh Labyrinth stuff. Okay. <laughs> That's uh, my excuse for everything from now on. Yeah, I was looking, looking at, at stuff. I was looking at Labyrinth stuff. Don't mind me. Um, I really like, so we, I don't know if we talked about this on our podcast, Avalon, but I really like the absolute, like, shift in this movie in the last five minutes. Like, And I'm not, okay, actually, it might not be the last five minutes. Not the ballroom scene and, like, the the M.C. Escher scene. You're talking about the battle with the rocks. The battle. That drags. The battle is, like, the movie is so interesting and then, and, and, like, immersive. And you're in this, like, this maze and you're so entranced. And then there's a quick cut to an absolute, like, um, I... 
what is what is it called that like that old style of like physical comedy like where like people are oh with the right. boulders yeah yeah mm-hmm. and it's so silly it's so ridiculous and nothing really happens <laughs> they just like kind of run around and 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 people are spinning and the goblins are screaming um well, and then it's back to the movie that that scene feels think- like the director's cut to me yeah and I think I know why is because um, so Jim Henson and Brian Froud, F R U O D, oh, Froud, okay, uh, who like they they started talking about the movie in like the early eighties. It was like nineteen eighty three is when they first seriously started talking, and they talked before that. But I couldn't find a year stamp for like when they started talking before that. But Brian is the one who's like, it. Uh, he had a movie idea of like goblins kidnapping a baby that was like the original idea was like goblins kidnap babies yeah period yeah (laughs) that's the movie great pitch for a Um, horror film (laughs) well they wanted it to be more lighthearted because dark crystal was heavier than jim henson wanted like jim henson didn't intend for dark crystal to be like that he thought it'd be like fun puppet fantasy movie and then (laughs) yeah Yeah. he kept making he's like oh my god (laughs) and it's interesting because i wouldn't say this is I guess this is more lighthearted than Dark Crystal, but yeah. I wouldn't say it's it lighthearted. Is definitely, but it's not. It's the the implications of the movie are very dark, but the presentation of it is yeah. very lighthearted. Mm-hmm. But like the ideas that are behind everything you're seeing are are yeah. But I feel like that's dark. an adult analysis. I feel like watching it as a child, it felt lighthearted. That's right. I didn't see it as a kid. Uh, yeah. I had not seen Labyrinth before you two told me to watch Labyrinth. It, <laughs> well, that, it, you know. yeah. it felt dark to me as a kid. It felt dark really? to me as a kid, not in the ways that it feels dark to me as an adult, because I didn't understand the power dynamics of a, uh, you know, ageless god king and a 16-year-old <laughs> girl. But, uh, but I did, I did hate, and I hate it in any movie, that any implication that the fantasy world is is either not real or needs to go away at some point. I don't mm. like that, and mm. I never want to hear about it ever. Well, it's fine because at the end, it's all they have a dance party. Yeah. They do have a dance party. Another dance party. <laughs> <laughs> One last dance party. There's a lot of dance I, parties, I guess. Yeah, th- that's because David Bowie wanted more, more dancing. David Bowie almost quit. He because there think, was not enough dancing? He didn't think it was lighthearted enough from the first script he got. And oh. so he was like, I'm out. And so they had to polish the script again. They did uh, what are, it was. They did 25 script treatments between 83 and 85 for this movie. And the script wasn't finalized until like a few weeks before filming because David Bowie kept being not happy with it. Well, you know what? Honestly, good for them because they did make a perfect script. <laughs> 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 I'm glad they kept plugging away at it because it is... Flawless. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. You want to say that again for the record? It is the closest a script has ever come to perfection. That's. <laughs> I am. I'm, I'm blaming David Bowie for anything in any movie I don't like from now on. Actually, that's David Bowie did not uh, didn't like it. He, he said, "Yeah, you, you... do it again." Re- Rewrite. Yeah, you see, the reason why Iron Giant didn't make it is because David Bowie wasn't into it. Exactly. So. <laughs> uh. <laughs> you, just, 
made me so mad at David Bowie, even though I don't I know that that's not true. It's Nonsense. Like, wow. Oh my goodness. Ooh. Yeah, some stuff that didn't make it that we're in it. They had there was going to be a pub or bar scene in the la- in the labyrinth. Love that. <gasps> I would have loved that. It's that shows where like they gather and hang out. I love. Wild, which we is do, a wild We do see them drinking straight from a keg in Dance Magic Dance. We do. That's true. Yeah, I do enjoy that. So, um, and the ballroom scene had more talking before. Oof. Ooh. That's it. I'm glad that didn't. Happen. No, it <laughs> would have been. It would have been flirty. It would have. They, they had them talk. Well, <laughs> here, here it is. They they talked more, and the people around them were like more clearly like fucking. Great. Ooh. So it was like mean, everyone else yeah, in the ballroom were like, like, "You want that ballroom scene else- to be hornier." I do. <laughs> I do. Also, there's no way that David question. made it less horny. There's no ballroom way he said that. Question. Yeah. No, that like, had to yeah. that had to be like uh well if they're making it more lighthearted then they have to add like what they did was um I guess in the first few like in the draft David Bowie got, he didn't think it was funny enough and that the characters are human enough. So mm. that's why like all of the side characters have like their own little Well, I bit. think that's like, a great note. I, I'm not saying it's a bad note. I'm just saying they <laughs> David Bowie demanded more. Yeah. <laughs> you know what else that David stuff. Bowie demanded? What? Yeah. That he not have to wear underwear. <laughs> Yeah, I can't. Yeah, okay. The implications of the fact that David Bowie had like an absolute anaconda of a dick mm-hmm. are wild, mm-hmm. and that he and that so many close-ups of it needed to happen. I mean, an argument could be made that it was just a consequence of the fact that you know Goblin height is roughly <laughs> dick height, and dick so height. whenever they needed to close up of the goblins. It just happened to be, but like, yeah. And he I had to mean, prove that, you know, like if he's telling people to rewrite scripts, he's approving like the cut of the movie. Oh, for sure. And also he has a mirror, presumably. <laughs> he, he put on that costume and, and, and took a look and said, this is perfect. If you look at your dick in the mirror every day of your life, you probably don't notice it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I I have I have I don't know. I I, as I said it, I know. (laughs) I'm just saying if you're used to filling out some leggings, you know, maybe it 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 doesn't stand out as much to you personally. I still (laughs) notice my boobs every day. I I I, they've been with me for quite some time, but I see them. But I don't think I I see my boobs in a shirt and think this is distracting today. I think I just think, like, this is how I roll through life. That's I'm sorry, true. officer. I didn't realize that my dick was out. I just see it in the mirror every day. I, just, sorry, I don't even see it anymore. I, I don't even notice it. Uh, you, you, have to, you have to accept this apology. How was I supposed to know? I'm so desensitized to my own schlong that I did not notice. But that man was performing in spandex for, like, a decade up until then. That's yeah, true. oh, absolutely. Like there's, like, just... there's so much, he gestures Ooh. with it. There's like, he's like, he's well, like, yeah, it's he's it's like a third arm. things with it. He does, like, yeah. And in that movie. He does. Um, he does so... sort of lunge point at things. Yeah. yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness. Uh, it does seem, it does seem like a, a character in the movie. It is. Yeah. Oh God. Uh, <laughs> so, well, you seem to be a big fan of Labyrinth. Yeah. Um, 
what what is it that that pulls you into the dance magic dance of this movie well and as we said before you know i think that being able to graft onto it with like associated childhood nostalgia i'm sure already gives it a little bit more of a benefit of the doubt Mm -hmm. (laughs) versus watching it for the first time as an adult um but i've always been really into like fey changeling lore i think that Mm -hmm. that's really cool i think that they're as a child it read is very romantic to me Mm -hmm. i think that it is at times genuinely funny Mm -hmm. yeah um i think the practical effects are really cool i think it's very unique and the music mm-hmm. is catchy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else you need. Yeah. The Fire Gang song is great. Fucking love the Fire Gang. I do not think that they are evil. They're they're evil. They're not. But they want to dismember hey, her. Evil is relative. No. They're just chaotic. <laughs> they're chaotic neutral. They they want to take her head off. And okay, she that, says okay. no. Is every, is every fae evil because they don't get how people... And they do, like, sometimes not great stuff to people, not realizing it. I feel like no is the answer to that question generally. (laughs) But when you add in, once a person says, no, don't take my head off, it doesn't come off. And they say, sure, it does. And Because they've never seen a head that doesn't come off. And they think, like, she's confused. I'm not saying that they shouldn't take no for an answer. That is obviously not okay. (laughs) But I don't think that they're evil. I think they just have never seen a head that doesn't come off. <laughs> Maybe it's worked before. Maybe they're like, no, no, no. We've like, listen, you'll yeah. you'll be okay. We know I'm a doctor. That's what it is. Yeah. They're yeah. just trying to help her like just fucking chill and broaden your horizon. <laughs> the fact us. that her head's surgeons. Come yes. <laughs> um so something interesting I found, I'm curious if either of you know about this, especially you, Avalon. Um, so the original script and what we got are clearly different. I just talked about how it had 25 script treatments. But the original story, like the original idea is um, what they originally were going to do was it was a movie about a world and about people who are, who are more interested in manipulating the world than actually bearing themselves at the world at all. Mm-hmm. And the original script written by, uh, oh, what's his first name? I just wrote Jones. Oh. Uh, it Terry? it's, yes, Terry Jones. Trevor. 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 That's the um, same name. <laughs> <in my book. laughs> it's the same name. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, the original idea was like the labyrinth wasn't, uh, it was to keep people away. Like it was so Jareth didn't fall in love. Like the original one, Jareth is not in love and is not interested in huh. being with Sarah. And David or Bowie any sort of, said, I hate this. Or any sort of goblin queen. It is like, <laughs> the labyrinth is to have you on a wild goose chase so I can get your brother and you can leave me alone forever. Right. Goodbye. That makes sense. Um, but it was, the reason it started changing was because Jim Henson wanted something different as well. Yeah. Jim Henson didn't want that. Mm. Um, the script they shot with was more of a collaboration between Jim Henson, George Lucas, Laura Phillips, and Elaine May than uh, Trevor Jones, even though he's still credited as a scriptwriter. But he's on record saying, like, what they shot, it's not my I barely had yeah. any hand in. I, I am shocked I was still credited. I wouldn't have been upset. Mm. <laughs> it's not really the story I wanted to tell. Yeah. Um, 
And I think it's I think it's so weird. I strictly because... wanted baby napping. I did yeah. not <laughs> sign I up. I wanted babies to st- I wanted goblins to steal a baby and her to lose and I'm going to be sad. The end. Yeah. <laughs> the I end. Did not End of sign the fucking for this. Um and I think it's interesting because like the movie the movie I hadn't said this the movie flopped. Um right, it had right. a 25 million dollar budget and it made 12 million which is Math, Matt, I've run, I've crunched the numbers. That is less. Yeah. <laughs> it almost sounds like half. Yeah. <laughs> That's. Anytime that happened, I always think I'm like, how, I, I don't get how budgets work. Like I right. watch House Hunters and they're like, mm. our budget is $800,000. And I'm like, That's a lot. And they're like, so we bought a house for $2 million. And I'm like, That's more. Yeah. You said you only had X money. How, mm. how more money? How, um, how more money? How more money? What I don't understand, and I guess it's 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 just a testament to to the fact that Hollywood is a world that is full of abundance that I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was their second flop. Like they flopped mm-hmm. previously on their mm-hmm. last Darkest project, Star. and mm-hmm. then we're like, let's do this again. Let's try again. And they Jim Henson's got that, that Sesame Street money, baby. He's like, he, let's go. Yeah. Like, I'm glad that we got Labyrinth out of it, but it is a very, like, I, in nowhere else could you fail so spectacularly and yeah. then be like, we'll just try again. It's fine. Yeah. It's it's one of those things I'm like, where did you, so you've made half the money. Mm-hmm. You're not like, I know people right now in games who are like, yeah, shipping containers are stupid. I'm making negative money on my game. I'm This will ruin me. Um yeah. I don't know how a studio makes half the money and like that they didn't like crumble. Like Jim Henson yeah. didn't crumble after that. It wasn't like he went bankrupt and no longer had his studio and stuff. Like he was still around doing shit. Like yeah. up until he unfortunately passed. <laughs> like yeah. I, and I'm like, but how? You lost I feel in like theory. He had a lot of good faith. Like he had a ton of well, other yeah. success. No, exactly. Right. And it's it's right. interesting because like I guess all approved of there. Maybe people were like, "Jim, stop making movies." Yeah, <laughs> and he did. Jim. And he did. Yeah, yeah, he did. He sure <laughs> like, did. They're like, sure. Jim, <laughs> this isn't yeah. it, bro. Well, I, I know. bet his third attempt would have been. Really that would have been it. That, that, that would have been, been the one. one. I mean, this was I... the one for me, but you know, maybe for other people. Yeah. I mean, because like he directed, um, which one is it? Uh... He directed a Muppet movie in like 1980. Oh, well, because uh, he's, he's been a part of other movies, but never in the director yes. position. He did right. a short film when he was like young. I cannot imagine how fucked that thing must be. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know nothing about it besides he did a short film and I think like it was him. Like I think it was like a one person short film thing. Yeah. Uh, the one he did in, that I'm thinking of is he directed The Great Muppet Caper. Oh, uh, in eighty one, that's it him. Yeah. yeah, and then he did uh, Dark Crystal, <laughs> and then he did Labyrinth. Oh, apparently, he was the director for Muppet Vision three D. Oh dear, oh, that, that sounds they, like they poke something. At you? Oh wait, it's a it was an attraction at yeah. uh, Disney at Hollywood Studios. Oh boy, so it's <laughs> not like like it's a movie, but it's no, it's just like a three D movie a, where the Muppets a are ride like, Whoa. movie. Yeah, it's like Sorry, built. Brenda. It's like built in to make money as well. <laughs> I was trying to get closer Sorry. to the camera, but I also got closer to the mic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brenda, if you're, as you're listening to this, we love you. We, I so can't wait. We do we, love we you. We all love you. 
We I'm all sorry, love you so much. You're so slamming doors over and over downstairs. <laughs> I don't hear it. So oh, okay. I, yeah, I don't it. either. Great. <laughs> Brenda, you're beautiful and radiant like mm-hmm. the sun. Um, and as raw, consuming, powerful as the sun. Oh. <laughs> you you <laughs> could destroy us all in an instant, Brenda. She really could. If Brenda just has to get on this podcast and headcanon that, like, the Earth's gonna implode and it'll probably do it. Oh, no. I don't think yeah. there's a time Brenda's made a theory on the show where it didn't come true. Usually immediately after, so it looks like we just, like, waited and said something, because we record, and it comes yeah. out a week later. Yeah. But it's usually, like, we get off the call, and I do all the Twitter stuff, and I, like, go to our Twitter, and I go make, like, a meme, like, next week's episode, and it'll be, like, in the news, literally word for word what Brenda said. And I'm like, what the fuck? We, the we have had that We have had that happen, too. I swear to you. When we – one is that when we talked about the Muppet Christmas Carol, we talked about them mm-hmm. taking out um, <clears throat> one song. Mm-hmm. from the movie and oh, like yeah. by the time we aired the episode they had made an announcement that they were putting the song back in um and there have been there have been some others like normally we'll talk about something and then all of a sudden it has a reboot yeah and i feel like they need to pay us yeah we're, we're responsible <laughs> brenda does that but it's only monkey paul like johnny test oh. is getting a reboot and johnny <laughs> test is brenda's mortal enemy <laughs> <laughs> It's only Monkey Paul wishes for Brenda's yeah, predictions. Oh no, Brenda is Brenda needs to confront the Goblin King because clearly there's a <laughs> there, there's some sort of relationship happening there. Um, speaking of the Goblin King, so the I I don't think I said it. I don't know. I'm gonna say it again. So the premise of the movie is Sarah's reading this book, practicing her line. She forgets the last line and gets upset. She mm. goes home. Her brother has maliciously stolen and defaced her favorite teddy bear, Sir Lancelot. That's With not what happened. great just, malice of forethought, this baby who cannot he, walk he just went has it. into he her room <laughs> and stole it. But that's the reaction that Sarah has, is yeah. as yes. though this baby boy had had broken into her room, destroyed everything, and took her favorite toy. Yeah, she reacts sort of... Um, how like you would expect the baby to react yeah. to this yes. news, which is why she'd be uh, such a good goblin queen. Yeah, she has the temperament of a baby, she does. a tall baby, just one big old baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talk, you know, makes a wish, blah blah blah, mm-hmm. has to go save her brother. Um, has thirteen hours, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Avalon, can you tell us what the time on the clock? This does not deserve is? to make the cut. All right, so... Brenda, leave absolutely everything in this podcast, I swear to God. (laughs) Jareth gestures to a clock with 13 numbers on it to indicate that she has 13 hours left. But my thesis proposes that if there is an additional 13 on the clock, then you've also added five notches to the clock, which is an extra five minutes per hour. Mm -hmm. And therefore, Mm -hmm. each hour is 65 minutes. Mm -hmm. So it will be greater than 13 hours much greater than 13 hours. Yeah, it's uh it, it's <laughs> it's probably just poorly thought out to just slap an extra 5 minutes on the clock Correct. and say oh, I it's just 13 have a hours. Problem. I think but we all I know think- that I have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> and this is just one of them. <laughs> I simp- like I I feel like barely understand time as a concept sure. because it doesn't cuz I'm like okay, so like it's 12.45, and they're like, yeah, I'm like, but it's not 12.45 everywhere. No, and I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. No. Um, 
and so like you explained all that and I was like no but you just put it there like I'm yeah. the person who's on the set like you just put it 13 on the clock and you're the other set designer like are you fucking insane and I'm like you just put a 13 well I'm just saying because you're already in like a weird fey realm I just feel like everything is a little distorted mm-hmm. yeah yeah why why do you think they're goblins and not fairies do we think it's just like well, there are also fairies there oh yeah they are like there. Sarah yeah in the very beginning yeah. Yeah, Hoggle kills them with pesticide. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hoggle. Hoggle. We haven't talked Leave about Hoggle. Leave Hoggle alone. No. I will leave not him alone. alone. He's doing his best. Hoggle Diana is, is here to ruin Hoggle. Hoggle ruins himself. Hoggle is. <laughs> <laughs> Hoggle is the inventor of the friend zone concept. Hoggle is. Wow. Hoggle is the, wow. Hoggle is the guy that you think has been your best friend for four years. And then one day he sits you down in a Starbucks and he says, I need to talk to you. And your whole shit is <laughs> fucked <laughs> forever. Uh, Hoggle is Hoggle is absolutely views all of his relationships with women as transactional. Yep. Um, and uh, and yeah, he is he's. He's the worst. I think Hoggle got dealt a bad deal and has a funny name. <laughs> it is a funny name. He does name. have a funny name. It's a funny name. Yeah. <laughs> I think that, you know, Hoggle is kind of like charming and grumpy to me, with the exception of like being complicit in Rufy and Sarah. Yeah. To me, that might be that might be a bridge too far. Yeah. Uh, he roofied her and then was like, what swamp. have I done? I don't know. He, he roofied he, her. He didn't want to go to the poop swamp. <laughs> Look, it smells bad. He poisoned a girl. Does he know it's poison? Yeah. Or is he just told to give... Yeah, the evil <laughs> goblin king handed him an apple and was like, give this to Sarah all, or I'll peach. put you it's in a peach. smelly land. He did try to stand up to Jareth in that moment, though, because he says, I won't do nothing to hurt her. <laughs> huh? I don't think he knew it was poison. Also, it's a peach because he wanted to see if Sarah eats butt. <laughs> just testing the water, Sarah. I like the answer to that is no. The answer to that is definitely no. Sarah is a ab- <laughs> she, she's a, a first of all, she's gonna Sarah's grow up soaking. to be a ungenerous person. That took you a while to walk it back. It took me a while because say. I realized that her character is supposed to be 16, so I, I really didn't want to say <laughs> anything that i was saying um but they do they no definitely not well i will say i like really want to know now i'm gonna have to ask him rough air we get a gentle cuss from hoggle after he does roofie her he does say the word damn he says the word damn yeah they could say that on uh in children's movies back then they could 1986 you know he really regrets it yeah et someone he calls his sister penis breath Damn you, Jareth, and damn me too, he says. <laughs> which is yeah, no. which is a clear sign of remorse <laughs> as he as he walks away unscathed from Sarah's Listen, poisoned body. Just <laughs> if someone has a fart gun to your head, it says you'll only smell farts forever. I don't know. Yeah, you'll never stop smelling like and it's not farts. Like, let's be real. It is like Sir Didymus did not smell it. 
Which stands to reason that you just get used to it, and then it's I think fine. Sir Didymus doesn't have olfactory Yeah, nerves. I think that the implication is that he can't smell. Sir Didymus says that the air is sweet and fragrant. But he's also deeply delusional about several things. Sir yeah, Didymus, Sir Didymus, is, Sir not Didymus there. is a hero. He is a knighted hero. Listen, he could be a knighted hero. Uh, he could also be a knighted hero with sensory issues. Correct. That's very true. But I, <laughs> I, I just think he has like a whole a Don Quixote thing going on where it's just like, you know. Don Quixote didn't actually save anybody. And guess who laid the killing blow against that monster in the beginning of the battle at the end? Sir Didymus did. Sir Didymus took over that, that mech suit. All right, all so right. we all Sir know Dimus that Diana's a Sir Didymus stan. <laughs> I really like Sir Didymus. And that's all I Jer- have to say about that. Wait, why don't they kill Jareth? They don't have to. <sighs> yeah, they just And I don't escape. think they can. Yeah, I don't think that's You just defeat possible. him. But he's like an immortal faking he does he does one of these things he does yeah he kind of does one i guess this is not a visual medium but he does just kind of one of these all right (laughs) (laughs) jesus fuck oh my god okay i'll kidnap a different teen girl she just needed to break the spell that the goblin king and also all of fantasy had over her yeah that's what she she needed to break that that spell which is because all she has up. to say is the line of the last book. Yeah, you have no power over me, which, which she could not remember you, in that garden. Which so. also used to defeat Freddy Krueger. What? Yeah, Freddy Krueger comes oh, yeah. to you. I'm not afraid like, of you. Yeah, I'm not afraid of you. This is all a dream. He's like, ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, are you bitch. asserting that perhaps Jareth is Freddy Krueger? I'm asserting that Jared and Freddy Krueger are cousins. Okay. Yeah, they 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 fall under the same magic. We we oh. now know. Yeah, yes. they they have uh, the same so limitations. The same verse. Yeah, Freddy Krueger is like if Jared's like an evil fake king. Freddy Krueger's like a like a night hag or something like some mm. kind of like dream witch. And yeah, Jared's like I'm gonna make a Jimmy plane called the Labyrinth. Freddy Krueger's like fuck you, stupid. I'm gonna be in people's dreams. They'll never see me coming. <laughs> the sure. land of burning pipes is where I'll be. <laughs> Smoky pipe land. <laughs> this seems, that's this my is home. great. It's also the implication of the Freddy Krueger are weird because he's like, he was like a serial killer who a town chased to a building and set on fire. Right. right. And he's like out for revenge. And I'm like, I don't think you get revenge. No. I right. don't, you were not wrong. You already got the revenge. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Like, I don't, like, cosmically, I don't think anything gives you power for, like, revenge, right. even if there's, like, some sort of, like, devil deal situation like i don't think they're like yeah you could no what do you shut up go get in the pit of salt you fucking idiot yeah you already you did the bad thing and then <laughs> the bad consequence did. happened to you yeah you're not like you weren't like wrongfully accused yeah this isn't like something. a spawn situation sir mm-hmm. <laughs> right another thing that always gets me is like when the evil thing is like it's weird okay so it's weird so okay i'll back up so i Went to Catholic school, like, pre-3 through 8th through 10th grade. Mm-hmm. And something that's always weird to me is when media is like, they make a devil deal to let the evil person be evil. But I'm like, most warlords of underworlds, like, want to keep the people there. They're like, this is my job. Mm-hmm. Like, like Hades isn't, like, sending evil souls back up. He's like, no, this is, like, you stay, he- this is... 
You belong to like, me now. Yeah. Like, don't you want to get back at them? And he's like, no, this this is my... I fucking work here. What are you talking about? Yeah. You yeah. Shut up. Go back in the pit of lost souls. Yeah. I feel and like so that's how Jareth is ruling. Right? right. And yeah, so it's always weird wants to, to draw people in and keep them there. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's always weird to me when people are like, ah, and then they were sent back from hell to do evil things. I'm like, most, most fantasy and most myth and religion are like, the people who are in charge of that place are like, no, you stay here now. I don't think you understand how this works. There's no deal to make, you, you fucktwat. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you killed like 80 people. That's go shut up, go away. I don't, I don't get have a deal for in you. Get back your fire swamp. Yeah, <laughs> get back, get back, back in the to the diarrhea swamp with you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, what if that was like Bible canon? That's the diarrhea swamp. <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> it might have been scarier be to children. It might be easier to proselytize. I mean, it, it paints a picture. Yeah. I think, I it's, think it's something everyone can understand more than I like, understand it more than like someone like chewing teeth. on my body. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Or like fire. You're like, I've never been. No, I guess I've been. But burned, I've smelled but diarrhea. So I <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah. Like, listen, <laughs> I know how bad that would be. <laughs> so maybe See, if Jesus David guy... Bowie had been involved in the rewrite of the Bible, <laughs> it would have hit harder. I bet he has some ideas written down. I bet he's got a couple of edits yeah. hidden somewhere. He's, he's in, in the state. hereafter. He's in the hereafter talking to saints. Like, listen, I'm just saying, if you could, if you could get, I don't know how visions work around here. I don't know if I have to be here a certain amount of time, but yeah. if I could get a ear in with some religious leaders, I have some great rewrites yeah. for you. They're like, oh, uh, Mr. Bowie, of course, yes. Although have you seen my movie, The, the Labyrinth? Room. They're always finding those scrolls and jars. So, like, maybe, yeah. <laughs> I want them to find one. I want them to find one in like a hundred years, and it's just word for word the the story of the labyrinth as like a religious text. Yeah, and people are like, "Oh wow, this guy Jeff sounds terrible." We gotta That's make sexy. sure kids. Bowie nails <laughs> it. Hot. There's a very graphic line about exactly the square inches of his uh, the curvature the cur- of the bulge. Every every third person at church for like. I don't know. That's that. I, I'm not saying I want to be in the diarrhea swamp, but like I, I want to, I want to see his long. Like, can yeah. I, see, can I see? Can I be a little naughty and see it, and then like, not be in the diarrhea swamp? Yeah, but I think that that's. I think that's what you have to do to get yeah. out of the diarrhea swamp. <laughs> to avoid the diarrhea swamp. You what exactly? Yeah, would you <laughs> pay respect? <laughs> pay respect to. Damn. <laughs> I I don't mean you have to do anything. Yeah, to you it. do. You just have to respect it. You will, well, I mean, you will have laryngitis. We yeah, we respect it. Your throat will be quite sore. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> From the respecting. Yes. From the res- you, you've just been respecting so much. Respect, respecting so hard. Um. um so, yeah, I think the weirdest thing about this movie is that the Goblin King's in love with a 16 year old girl, and I don't know why she's 16. Yeah. She's 16. She's an eight-year-old in the body of a 16-year-old <laughs> yeah. being played been, by a 21-year-old. She's been freaky friday yeah. twice. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. There's a lot of there's a lot of characters. Maybe she and Toby like swapped. Yeah, maybe Toby because Toby does seem very mature. Yeah, um, Toby is her and she's like capturing, dreamy. Capturing thing very well. He does. Um, that would be. Uh, he so- doesn't even cry, which was a big problem. Yeah, big problem for David. Big problem for David Bowie. 
did you why, why was this a problem uh because in the song dance magic dance in the beginning uh there are several moments where david bowie says and baby says and hands the proverbial mic in the goblin kingdom to the baby mm-hmm. uh, and the baby is supposed to make a little gurgle noise um mm-hmm. david bowie did not think that the baby was bringing his best work to that right so david enough. bowie got into the recording studio and recorded his own baby gurgles baby sounds. Yeah. yeah and it's yeah they're not tell. very convincing no you could tell it's david bowie <laughs> going that reminds me um, I don't know if either of you have seen the movie uh, The Wind Rises from Ghibli from Miyazaki, but in, I actually haven't. No, in that movie, Miyazaki does the noises for most of the Foley work, like the wind and the train and like crashes and oh. stuff. And you can very much tell it's an old Japanese man going like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, same energy. <laughs> but somehow that seems sweet, whereas David Bowie. Going into a mic and being like, woo goo gaga seems <laughs> fucking insane to me. It, it, yeah. I, can, like, I can almost promise it seems sweet, but Miyazaki probably did it because he was like, this train is not is not capturing a hundred train. Hard enough. <laughs> yeah, me, I don't know if you've listened to Miyazaki's interviews. He's not a nice man. He's pretty intense. Oh, really? Oh, I have not. Yeah. I've, I've I mean, it's charming, but intense. Yeah, it's like charming because he's like old and <laughs> right, right. If he like, were young, it, it probably wouldn't be coming off that. Yeah, way. like there's an interview of him when they were doing Princess Mononoke, where he gets like some storyboards of uh, one of the scenes where Ashitaka's supposed to be running, and he's like going like flipping through it, and he's like, "Who drew these? These are terrible. Whoever drew this doesn't understand the fluidity of movement. They should probably quit writing." And he says some very other <laughs> unkind things, and, like, like pans over to, to someone in the background just weeping. <laughs> <laughs> he says some other unkind things alluding to like you should not be here wow. <laughs> he's not a nice man wow. um he met some uh so on their newest film um marrying the witch or the witch's flower or whatever I I it's called, but yeah um it's like his movie it's fine uh the cg yeah. The people who developed that CG, he met them when they were students, or he met people when they were students working on like CGI, on like a new CGI technology that could uh, track human movement without doing um, whatever this body scan oh, stuff is. Oh, right, right, without having to do mo- mocap? Yeah, they didn't do mocap. Okay. It was just like an AI that could, like, this is how people move. And it was admittedly not great because they were students and it was their thesis and it was the first time someone was doing it. But they invited Miyazaki and um, some other heads at Ghibli to, like, come see it because they were so excited. And Miyazaki said to them in their face, like, (laughs) you truly have made something that is an abomination and monstrous and an affront to all of humanity. You should be ashamed. God, that's like that Usher T-Pain story. Yes, exactly like that Usher T-Pain story. Oh, my God. That made me feel. It made me feel bad nauseous in my stomach that somebody <laughs> that was you know, on a on a plane like chilling this is if you don't know this story okay so usher and t-pain are both on a flight to or from the vmas or something they're on like a right. private like flight for like a bunch of a-listers that are going to this award because show. again they are both a-listers yeah. and like artists who have had massive amounts of success this isn't 
they are not on different playing fields. No, they're on the same on the same flight for the same like you're important people in like their own private celebrity cabin or whatever. I don't like some kind of Airbus situation. And Usher leaves his room, comes to T Pain, knocks the door, is like, "Hey, are you busy?" And T Pain's like, "Oh no, of course, come sit down." What's like, you know, like we're both artists. T Pain's an artist and a producer, so he's like, "If I can produce a song for Usher, like that's like right." Like, holy shit, like, they're on the same level, but Usher's, like, been active, like, ten years longer. Right, So right. it's, like, T-Pain grew up listening to Usher. And Usher's like, I just wanted you to know that you've ruined music. And, and then leaves. <laughs> yeah. Or, like, asked him, like, how does it feel that you ruined music or something? Yeah, like, he, said he something. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and so this is, this is part of my ongoing, my ongoing theory that the distribution of anxiety in the world is not correct like some people have too much of it and some people have not enough how can you not feel like how can you have so little anxiety in your chest that yeah. you feel comfortable going up to another human being to say to ruin their life like, like your worst opinion break their hearts yeah like i cannot yeah. It's too much for me. Yeah, it's, it's buck wild. Uh, and that's how Miyazaki also operates. <laughs> um, yeah, so it sounds like he needs to be more anxious as well. Yeah. He's been humbled. He recently said that he views um, the new anime Demon Slayer as a, as a, like, as a true rival. Oh, wow. Mm. Okay. They Well, when Mugen Train came out, Mugen Train was like the biggest, like biggest box office deal in Japan. It's been the biggest box office deal everywhere it's released. Um, and someone asked him, like, what did you think of Mugen Train? And he's like, I'm too busy to worry about something like that. Uh, and everyone's like, okay. And then later it came out, like two months later, from like uh, someone at Ghibli who works closely with me, he's like, they admitted that Mugen Train was impressive and a wow. competitor. And I was like, damn, shook. So anyway, what do we think Miyazaki's opinion of the labyrinth would be? Do you think that he oh. respects it? I feel like <laughs> my read on this mm -hmm. is that Miyazaki often has mm -hmm. a lesson in growing up that doesn't mm -hmm. entirely make sense. Uh -huh. And I think that that is a similarity that is shared mm -hmm. between Labyrinth and some of Miyazaki's So he works. would see it as a rival no. in storytelling. No, but I think that he would be like, yes, okay. I understand this. I want to say how I'm not, I'm so I'm not actually clapping because of my mic, but in my head, how loud I'm clapping for Avalon for that, like, <laughs> just like leaps and bounds into like, now here's like this starting, they were like, all right, hear me out. Wait, no one second. Ever, shut up. So hear me out. Miyazaki makes coming of age story that is like, Nah. And Labyrinth is a coming of age story, I guess. That's like, so maybe <laughs> they would see. Each I other. also think that like the implied but not quite direct romantic tension has a little bit of a Miyazaki feel as well. Hmm. Sure, I could <laughs> sure, sure, sure. I <laughs> I feel like it's got maybe like a little bit of a house moving the, castle thing. I just want to say yeah. that the the suggested but not implicit. <laughs> sexual tension of David Bowie's cock being flung in everybody's faces is he looks is, at this girl in the eyes and is like I love you and she's like I can't he doesn't say I love you he, he says I'm 98% sure you. in the masquerade scene I'm pretty sure he says he loves no, he her doesn't. He doesn't. oh wait 
Like in the song? In the no. in the ballroom scene, no. doesn't he? No, he doesn't say that. I mean, he, I could be wrong, but I'm willing to fight. I'm willing to fight for my wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, I'm willing to I fight for Jared Hoggle, so we all got I don't think Jared's capable of love. I don't think that he's capable of love, but he's offering it like a little prize. Yeah, I don't think he's, he's capable, offering- but... It's not I a think- little prize, Diana. It's a big prize. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I want to be the winner. <laughs> um... <laughs> So we're just about out of time. Do you yeah. have any last labyrinth thoughts? God. I, I just want to say the worm because I think the worm is important. And yeah. Say the it. Worm but is I don't really, really have anything else to say. No, the worm's important. The worm yeah. is MVP. Yeah. Definitely. I'm going to leave it at that. I'm not yeah. going to tell people what the yeah. worm is. You'll have to watch the movie. Yeah, watch the movie. You don't have to what watch it. What about you, Diana? Okay. Uh, you do have to watch it. Um, yeah, you do have to watch it. Um, my last thoughts are that I'm right about Hoggle. Oh my God. And that I'm also right about Sir Didymus. Sir Didymus is a hero. He's um, a hero. We just think that he doesn't have olfactory senses. He would he tell us. He would tell us the truth. He, he why would he tell us? When would it come up? When we ask him if it smells bad here, he would say, this oh, movie I is can't wild smell. In that it was edited to have more humanistic characters and I cannot, I feel like people don't, I don't, maybe that's just my problem with movies. I feel like people don't talk about anything that matters. Yeah. Yeah, I don't feel like there's a lot of dialogue about anything that's going on. I feel like people are like talking, but they're not like, like they're talking as if what's happening around them isn't happening around them. Sometimes, yes, that's that's definitely a a, a peeve I have as well in movies. Uh, but I digress. Uh, I've now consumed Labyrinth, and <laughs> we're proud of you. I'm proud of you two for being here, and I thank you two for being here. Thank you. Um. Do you have any outro stuff so people know where to where to find you, where to where to support you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we are Femsplained, the Femsplained podcast. We're available on all the fem the podcasty and all the fem. All the, all all the, the fem. We're available. Every on all fem of the fem has fems. a little hit <laughs> clips of Femsplained in their pocket. They have uh, a little QR code. We sent them. Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, including YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, blah, blah, blah. Um, we are on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash femsplained if you want behind the scenes stuff, which is pretty much just me live reacting to the Mansplain Minute and other things while I'm editing the podcast. Um, <laughs> but it's pretty fun. And um, you can find us on Twitter at femsplainedcast and Instagram at femsplainedpodcast. Don't email us. I was yelled at last time I pitched our email. So don't email us. <laughs> um, and I'm Diana. I'm Super Dylan. That's it. All of those things also apply to me. And I am Avalon. You can find me most places at a underscore. Mm-hmm. Radical. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to tell you where to find me. You already know. You listen to the show. And I, there's like a whole outro thing that, that we put on at the end because Brenda's smart and told us to pre-record her outro. So we did that. Um... So thank you two for being here. Uh, thank you. Thanks, Brenda, for editing all of this thank audio. You. I don't know if you keep that thank in. You, Brenda. Uh, please spare everyone... us in the apocalypse. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> please spare us. <laughs> Brenda, when you open your mouth your mouth wide and swallow the universe whole, please spare us. Yeah, just spit us back out. <laughs> we will exist in the void with you. Yeah. <laughs> we will uh, be with loss. <laughs> just let us know. But, yeah. It, 
have a good week, everybody. See ya. Bye. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries. Our music was provided by Esperanza Garay Negron, and you can find their music on Bandcamp at knifenun.bandcamp.com. Our introduction was voiced by Cafe 3G. You can find him under that handle on Twitter and Instagram. This podcast is a part of the Nacellecast Podcast Network. You can find us at Nerd Mysteries on Twitter. The show is edited and produced every week by the amazing host Brenda. And as a reminder, please, please, please... For listening to the podcast, throw us a five-star review. Helps the show out a lot. Tell a friend about the show. And until next time, historians, see ya.